Welcome to episode 173 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And we're back this week with yet more Justice League. Um, yes. I have a lot of thoughts on our episode this week. I am so excited to talk about uh, this episode. Metamorphosis. I think who's, who's like rural drunk uncle wrote this episode oh i have because who is it who is this episode for chris i honestly don't know idiots um (laughs) i wouldn't say idiots it's it's not for children that's for certain i uh, no well we'll get into it yeah we'll get into it there's nothing there's nothing blocking your path chris (laughs) i'm giving you full well, full takeover this runway. Yeah, I mean, luckily, since we've uh, you know done away with news, we have plenty of time to get into my thoughts on Metamorphosis. But I, I, I do, I do have so, so, so many thoughts. Um, you know, all the the positive. We ended last week with me saying like, you know, like it's this show has really found its footing. Like the last like five six weeks have all been like pretty good episodes. Like I feel like they really know what they're doing now. And then this comes along. I I'll, I'll say up front. I love this episode. I hate you. I thought I it was you, so funny and so just like made for made by a team for nobody. I and it's it. I don't know. I thought this was just so entertaining. You know, why don't we, let's just go ahead and get into it. What, let's why, do why, it. Why? We don't need any foreplay here. No preamble. We're no. just going to get straight into some metamorphosis here. Okay. So, <laughs> God damn it. This episode has uh, John Stewart reuniting with his old Marine friend, uh, Rex Mason, who is then very quickly uh, turned into a monstrous element manipulating being called Metamorpho who sets out on a mission of revenge against his traitorous boss and future father-in-law, Simon Stagg. Yes. So, but that's not the A-plot, Chris. <laughs> Chris, the A-plot of this story is an oil tycoon <laughs> trying to figure out how to make a slightly safer work environment so the insurance company will still cover him. And his response is, let's make our oil drillers fucking superheroes. Yes. Yes, exactly. Because the, the cold... That o- is the A plot of this episode. <laughs> the B plot is about the is about Rex. Exactly. Because this... Yeah. The, the, this episode, you do really need to start with the cold open. And I now realize what a tone set this segment, <laughs> segment is. Because it's... There's an oil drilling accident. And, you know, like the... It's, you know, like some methane gas leaks and a spark goes off and the whole thing blows. From a rock... From a rock, yes, 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 exactly. From a stone rock hitting against a metal drill. Yes, I don't think would really cause a spark. I'm not a scientist, not, but well, don't worry. We're gonna preface this. <laughs> I'm not a scientist, but no one else in this episode is either. Nope. Don't worry. I did some background research because there was a one <laughs> thing they said from like a chemical perspective. I'm like, okay, oh bullshit. <laughs> I'm like, wait, hang on. Like, it's been it's been a good like 12 years since I studied like you know, engineering and science and physics and stuff like that and chemistry, but some stuff lingers. And they said one thing and I will get to it. It's, it's just really it's pissed me off. Just smart enough for like a seventh grader watching for them to hit the words they hear in class. Exactly. Of like yeah. amino acid. I know yeah. that word. Oh, proteins. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I get this. I, I understand this. <laughs> they understand it better than the writers did on yes. this one. And it's the powerhouse of the cell, Chris. It is the powerhouse of the cell. And look, I, I suppose I should say, like, apologies in advance to Len Yuli, who wrote this. Len, you do other great work, but... Yes, I'm sorry for whatever uncle 
trapped you in a corner and made you write this episode <laughs> because this is written by a dad. It, it really is. And I will say that the second part maybe was a little bit better. And that's because that teleplay release was by Dwayne McDuffie who does good work. Yes. But he did not have good stuff to work with here <laughs> for being perfectly honest. I feel like there are definitely some DCAU people who listen to this who have already like decided they're not going to listen to the rest of the episode. Cause they maybe love this one and get ready. Cause it's going to be mostly a shitstorm. but anyway, uh, again, I love this episode <laughs> and there's like specific quotes I'll pull out later. Please do. So the, the oil rig goes, and then, of course, we do like the, the classic cartoon thing of going from seeing things play out in live action to watching what we've just seen on a monitor in a boardroom with Simon's dad going, yeah, like, you see how this very kind of commonplace accident happens on your site? Well, don't worry. Think of the insurance money. <laughs> you, Mr. Oil Billionaire Tycoon. Don't worry. I, Simon Stagg, a.k.a., like, the oil baron version of Colonel Sanders. Yes. <laughs> who's, who's clearly evil. Like you look at him and he just looks evil. And if it wasn't him, it was his henchman. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like everything about Java. this just screams like blatant, evil, corrupt, like tycoon. He's like, don't worry. Instead of having these like, you know, some small safety considerations here or there that might be like reasonably cost effective, we're going to invest what has to be billions of dollars and far more dangerous process of genetically reengineering random people into having some of the most powerful powers on the planet. Yes. All to save you a couple dollars. And that's. Just the cold open. How, like, <laughs> legitimately, how is this supposedly more cost effective than just like coming in with like a safety consultant and just changing a few parameters? I don't know, but that's the <laughs> funniest opening I've ever imagined. So, it, oh, because, because you have to think, like, I, I don't know Metamorpho's origin if this is the origin. I did, so quick, quick oh, half tangent. Should look that up. Um, when you watch these episodes, when you watch episodes on, DCU, DC mm-hmm. Universe, um, they will sometimes have a comic attached. Like, hey, oh, if you that's right. like this yeah. story, check out this comic. And so for this, for these specific episodes, I read the Metamorpho comics connected to this. And Chris, they're so much worse. The comics are worse? Yes. Oh. First off, they're from 1990. So it's 1990 writing and style. Listeners, you can't see my face, but it's... Yeah, it's... I I don't want to shift the story too much because there's nothing that connects the comic to this story except that Metamorpho kind of goes evil. Yeah. Um, But in the comic world, at least from the 90s perspective, um, Rex is considered dead. So no one knows that he's Metamorpho. Oh, okay. And Simon made Sapphire, his daughter, marry Java... (laughs) And Java is not just like hinted to be an ape man. He's just like, like a straight up caveman. Like an actual caveman from the past? No, not actual, but like he looks he so looks much like, more like caveman like. Oh my God. So you're, you're saying that they found improvements? Yes. And the, the comic story that I read was uh, Metamorpho and Sapphire had a child. Uh, who also has metamorpho powers. Of but course. Because it's a baby, he can't control it. And he also has the ability to turn other things. It's kind of like a firestorm thing. Okay. He has the power to turn other things into other uh, elements. Okay. 
Uh, and so when he was birthed, the doctor turned just into nitrogen and just, uh, like evaporated from the room. Talk about gruesome comics deaths. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so the, the child is in a very special <laughs> container in a very special room mm-hmm. locked away from society. And Rex is like, no, fuck that. That's my kid. I'm going to go save him. Breaks into stag. Stag is like, how dare you take my property? Your child. <laughs> and he calls on the metal men. Who's another group of heroes. I've never heard of before. Wait, but weren't they in the brave and the bold? They were. Yeah. Yes, but I, I just didn't remember that episode. Oh, okay. It's like Dr. Magnus, I want to yes. say, is the leader of the Metal Men. Yeah. Yeah, so Magnus is the one using the child to create a new element for Stag to sell. <laughs> because Stag is just like a straight up, like, um, like oh, fuck, what's his, what's his name? Lex Luthor? Tes- uh, no, Tesla... Elon Musk. He's an Elon oh, he, Musk. Yeah, kind he's of a character. Musk. He's an absolute Musk. Yeah. Um, but because of that, they call in the metalman, but they call in someone else to help. Or they don't call him in. He's just kind of there in the background. Okay. Guy Gardner is there. Oh, fucking hell. And he's like, oh, you're going to fuck with my man Stag? Like, I love Stag. We're so similar. I'm a capitalist. He's a capitalist. I'm a cold blooded American. I'm going to save our, I'm going to save this guy <laughs> and his fortune by going to fight Metamorpho. <laughs> And Metamorpho was like, that's my kid. He's like, that's property of Stag Enterprise. And so Guy Gardner fights Metamorpho over his child. This is all in one issue? This is one <laughs> issue. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and weren't, weren't you just saying, like, you had read enough comics now to actually kind of appreciate Guy Gardner, and then they throw they this at you? They changed him a lot, <laughs> apparently. Because this guy is unbearable. <laughs> Did he start out as a shit and become good, or did he start out good and just eventually become a shit? I think he, I think he started out as a shit and like had had to become good. Okay. Without Hal there. Okay. How? Because this is pre-parallax. Okay. All right. That's fair. How the hell did Guy Gardner ever get a ring in the first place? I mean, he he's he's very into himself, and that's kind of a necessity to be a Green Lantern. It, I didn't realize that the rings are powered on narcissism. <laughs> Some of them are apparently <laughs> because of in the, the, fight, the greens, the rings aren't colored. They're just perfectly reflective. So yes, you can look at yourself. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's narcissus yes. incarnate. Um, there's a moment where they're fighting and metamorphos like, Oh, I know the green lantern weakness. And he just turns himself into gold. Yeah. And guys like that's never stopped me. And he takes his ring off and just tries to fucking punch him. That sounds like guy Gardner yeah. though. Yeah. And metamorpho like obviously knocks him out cold and he's like, I'm glad I fought this green lantern. <laughs> Cause if I fought someone else. They would have probably figured out how to stop me. But also, so guy just tries to punch someone who's made of gold. Yes. Great. Mm hmm. Just. And he gets knocked out, and that's when the metal men come in. He deserves it. Yeah. He absolutely deserves it. It's it, Just that one line of just like, I'm glad I fought this Green Lantern. Was, was It felt so nice to read. Maybe that's what inspired them to make this episode. They're like, what if he fought a better Green Lantern? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That... I guess that makes me appreciate this more. They found a way to somehow improve upon this. Mm-hmm. But... Right from the beginning, it gets pretty ridiculous. So yes, like in the cold open, we meet the the blatantly nefarious Simon Stagg with his insane plot to make metamorphos. And then we go straight from there to what is 
a, a sequence that for me is maybe the most egregiously stupid I've seen in the DCAU in a long time. The train sequence? The train sequence. And I will, I will go through it bit by bit and explain fully why. Yes. <laughs> so... It, so now Stag is having the a mutagen. Mind you, it may be the mutagen that creates metamorpho. It's unclear because when we see the mutagen again in the second episode, it's not even the same color. Nope. So who this knows? This one's more of an acid. Yeah, exactly. So it's a mutagen, quote unquote, that's being transported by train in the hands of Java, his enormous caveman. I love him. Looking I, very I stupid henchman. I fucking love Java. He's great. He's, <laughs> he's the crunk. He is a crunk. He's an absolute crunk. Yeah. He's yeah. A pretty dense. He's a himbo if I've ever seen one. A himbo? You don't know himbos? It's a himbo. Oh, like a bimbo, but himbo? Yeah. It's, oh. it's um, sexy but stupid. Uh, wait, hang on. I mean, crunk... Crunk is sexy but stupid. Yeah, Java is at least for me not my type. No, yeah, he, he, yeah, he's a, he's yeah. a lower grade himbo. Okay, yeah, but yeah, it, it's it's becoming the new like the new trope. That is, oh, that's a great portmanteau, isn't it? Mm, love it. Okay, but yeah. So Java is tasked with transporting these vials in a case which is too big to fit in overhead, so it's just taken away from him by the train porter, and he just doesn't bother to stop it. So then, he's got manners, Chris. I think he's just stupid. The case is just casually stacked on top of a bunch of other boxes, but really trains are fairly stable. I don't think it's going to fall. Yes. But of course it does fall off the stack. It is unlocked. So it cracks open and then one vial pops out and of course breaks. The mutagen is somehow, I guess to your point, more of an acid. So it's also corrosive. So it seeps through the floor onto what is, a not electrical part of the train. It is just literally a metal axle of the wheels, <laughs> but somehow it creates an electrical short that causes both the brakes to fail and the train to get stuck accelerating. Yep. As it does. As one does. So now it's a runaway train. Um, at the same time, a truck is broken down on the train tracks yep. and gets destroyed, which doesn't do anything. We assume that's going to cause like an explosion that's going to like create some sort of accident. No, it just breaks the truck for no reason I think whatsoever. They, they just ran out of explosion budget in this episode. <laughs> there probably was supposed to be. You know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe this was supposed to be a completely different tangent because it just breaks the truck, right? So Green Lantern shows up to like stop it from you know, being completely run away and like stops it. So, but all of this has happened on a train that coincidentally is carrying Rex Mason, former best friend of Jon Stewart and fiance to Stag's daughter, Sapphire. Now, I have figured this is one of those, like, you get one coincidence in a movie, right? Yeah. It's like, I will believe the impossible, but not the improbable. It's like, it's one of the reasons why I probably mentioned this before, but Spider-Man 3 is so dumb. Because it's the guy who maybe shot Uncle Ben, who happens to fall into like the sand accelerator and become a monster. That's like two coincidences on top of the third coincidence, which is like one meteorite containing the Venet symbiote happens to crash in Central Park next to Spider-Man. So now you're at three coincidences. Yeah. And it just starts to get too crazy. I assumed that the accident was going to happen here. And that's why like they had to put Mason on the train and we'll give them like one coincidence. But no. Everyone just leaves the accident. Yeah. Totally fine. <laughs> Nothing in this sequence makes any sense whatsoever. It was just super lazy and just like, just throw it all in there. It doesn't matter that it's all coincidental. It doesn't matter that it's all inconsequential. Just put it on there. But it's let's also fine. talk about how they introduce Rex Mason 
as this womanizer, you know, like yeah. um he's a sleaze. He's kind of a sleaze, but you know, he he is the 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 sixties trope. He is the like I'm too cool for everybody here. Like everyone yeah. look at me. I got my I don't know what accent I'm attempting to do. I'm not it's sure nothing. either. He has his cocktail and he's you know he's, <laughs> he's maybe to from the, Brooklyn. He's maybe <laughs> from Brooklyn, very loose midpoint between Brooklyn and Boston. <laughs> um you know, he's he's flirting with the waitress, he has his cocktail, and then the next time we see him is with his fiance. I know. Yes, exactly. And like we're supposed to be emotionally invested in their relationship. There's obviously not a lot of trust in this relationship. No, exactly, because like we're supposed to care. We're supposed to care about this relationship. But the first time we meet him is he's just like casually hitting on some waitress. And there's no like he's not like trying to be a little bit um like flirty but distant something like that he's like full-on hitting on or like they're gonna go somewhere after the train stops probably to introduce her to his fiance (laughs) (laughs) but okay and then so all of this shit happens and then we do meet his fiance oh which i need which i need to just add in really quick the you you meet sapphire in the comic yeah in in the recommended comic she is so horribly written really it's it's painful because they even like even Rex describes her as like you know you know that's my that's supposed to be my wife it's my fiance it's like I know like you know her dad told her to marry Java and she's not the smartest bimbo around but and I'm like that's your fiance it's wow like, yeah but he basically said like she's dumb but she's good to look at so that's why I married her and then when we meet her in in the story you know he's going like, oh, where's our child? And she's like, I had that child three months ago and you didn't once care about coming to visit. He's like, well, I was dead. <laughs> so I think that's my excuse. She's like, oh, you're right. Let's go see your son. He's at a lab. But before we go, I need to go powder my nose, put my makeup on, and maybe I'll change dresses. I'm like, Has, oh. have these guys never... Like, I understand where the, like, where the stereotype comes from because it's people who've never interacted with a woman before writing this character. Yeah. I mean, that's... All of like entertainment in yeah. modern history, like that's true of every everything in the sixties. Like we don't know women, but this is this is nineteen ninety. <laughs> Just goes written. to show how bad it was. Yeah, <laughs> like this is dialogue that should have been from the sixties. That that is honestly horrifying to hear because the way they introduce her in this episode is pretty bad to start with. Yes, because like oh, it's very Bruce Tim. It's so Bruce Tim's. Like, oh, and here's my fiance, and she comes out to greet company. In just a towel. Yes. Who does that? A lot of porns. <laughs> All of the porns. Mostly porn. <laughs> I'm going to say if there's a split between like how often that happens in reality versus how often that happens in porn, it's like a 0.5 to 99.5% <laughs> ratio. Like, no one does that. And it's just, it, it immediately just... Like it already the wages of the train was getting sexualized and it jumps the fiance. And yeah, it's like, she is hyper sexualized for no reason other than to give like both Rex and John a reason to just gawk. Yes. I guess like the idea was to try and set up that John would be like plausibly jealous of Rex because his fiance is so hot and insists on only you can wearing do that a outside towel. Of, you can do that with not a towel on. You can do that in a lot of other ways. Yeah. Like you can show her being just, you know, beautiful which she's drawn to be without having her to be in just a towel this is why i said that this episode's for idiots because like moments like that means like this isn't really for kids yeah (laughs) yes i agree like this is not like look 
there's definitely some like sexualization that happens in cartoons. And yeah, okay, Justice League is one of those weird things where it's like kind of for like kind of for kids, kind of for not. Maybe this was them being like, teenage boys will love this. Yeah, like I said, this is for like seventh graders who've just taken their first chemistry class. Exactly. <laughs> who are really excited by the reference to amino acids and the naked lady in a towel. Yes. <laughs> just. I mean, this was this was for like. Here's how I'm imagining the situation. Bruce Tim saw the finish line in sight mm-hmm. of his shows are coming to an end. He doesn't have much longer with Justice League or in the DC universe. So he's, what he's going to do is, is pad his portfolio <laughs> like parallel to his shows. Yeah. He's like, what do I love to do? I love drawing pinup girls, mm-hmm. animated pinup girls. So I'm just going to shoehorn a couple of those in <laughs> just so I can have them for my resume afterwards. God damn it. It's just so egregious and just everyone in this episode behaves like an idiot so then john realizes that it was just some random batman investigates the crash for some reason discovers a mutagen tells john john then assumes it must have come from rex because only a company like stag industries would have that kind of chemical on a train in a universe where everyone has dangerous chemicals in dangerous places. Yes. Tra- planes, trains, automobiles, all of them at some point have been the result of some crazy chemical spill that's mutated someone. So so this is that 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 leads into a point that I want to talk about for a second. There's something that just feels so wrong to me about a universe that has alien contact, that has superheroes, that has, you know, a couple billionaires that like actually care about society. Yeah. That still runs on oil. <laughs> I don't know why that feels so weird to me. Actually, that's a really good does. point. Yeah. yeah. Like, there shouldn't be oil tycoons in this society. There's so many other versions of energy out there. Yeah. Like, exactly. Fictional forms of energy that we don't even have in our real world. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous that our current world still runs on fossil fuels. But in a fictionalized one with the most advanced alien technology in the world. And yes. like rings with infinite power sources really there's something that just feels weird about seeing metropolis and it's like oh yeah that still runs on oil yeah like no it doesn't it doesn't metropolis is metropolis (laughs) like it probably runs on some sort of like crazy clean luthonium exactly (laughs) yeah some bullshit lex luther something or like something with with ray palmer probably yeah like ray palmer would have found a better way to use oil Actually, or a better substitute. That really applies to the MCU too, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, because in that universe, Tony Stark actually does create like a self-sustaining energy source. Mm -hmm. Like in the first movie and by the 23rd movie, people are still driving around in fossil fuel cars. Yes. I mean, I guess it's post-apocalyptic, so we'll give him like a bit of a break-ish. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he just solved the time time travel paradox (laughs) in a night while probably half drunk fair no that's that's rude tony stark he's gotten over his drinking thing yeah i don't think we see rude for me to say do we see i think we see him drink a little bit after iron man 2 i feel like he maybe has like a scotch at some point right i don't think so i think he's clean after that yeah do we see him drink in um, i'm I'm thinking of yeah the opening of ultron yeah or they're all the party sequence i don't remember if he has a drink or not or i'm I'm gonna say no because that's such a thing they hammer into yeah between both Tony and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Of like, he doesn't use substances anymore. Yeah, that's fair. So, but yes, yes. you're right. Why does the DCAU still run <laughs> on fossil fuel? <clears throat> okay, so... 
This episode is a mess. Where where were we? Okay, right. So, all right. So then John assumes that it had to come from Rex. He confronts Rex, and Rex is like, nah, man, it wasn't me, but I bet it was my boss. So then Rex goes to confront Simon Stagg and basically tells him, like, you're corrupt and a jerk, and also I'm boning your daughter. Does he not say that? I can't remember. I I mean, not in those words. No, he doesn't bring it up in the meeting. That's true. He, yeah. Because Simon basically is like, hey, watch watch yourself. Yeah. Like, you don't know who you're talking to. Exactly. Stag uh, threatens him. So then he shows up at, so Stag shows up at his daughter's place, presumably like later that day or maybe the next day based <clears throat> on the timeline. And yeah. uh, Rex has already taken a job in Chicago and he's convinced like Sapphire that her dad's a schmuck. And so Sapphire is going to leave with him and they're going to run off to Chicago and leave Stag behind. Yes. Sure. Mm-hmm. Great. So then. And he calls him pops. No, dad. 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 Right. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't know. I don't, I obviously I'm not married and I have a couple married friends. Do, do you call your parents-in-law mom and dad? Yeah, some do. That's weird to me. No, that's pretty, I don't know. That's pretty normal actually. Okay. Yeah. I mean, in this specific context, it's kind of weird because... Well, yeah, that was him just, like, rubbing it in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like this. You're just kind of being a prick now. But yeah. so, Rex goes back to the, his office to clean things out. An alarm goes off, and he is tricked by an empty beaker. As you do, because he's a scientist. Because he's a scientist. Laying the the floor. They never say his job title. No, they never do. They don't say what he does at all. Uh, and but so it he, pays well, apparently. It pays very well. Yeah. And so he's trapped. He gets like trapped in this case and like hit with the mutagen and um, becomes metamorpho way later in the episode than I expected. Yeah. It's very Dr. Manhattan. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But nowhere near as cool. Right. And then it's also very Two-Face. That too. Yeah. But also he, not as good. But also not as good. Because then he ends up in the hospital and of course, it's like, it's it's all the classic things of like, he gets out of bed, like, everyone's like, oh my God, like, what happened to you? And he looks himself in the mirror. Oh my God, I'm, I'm a hideous monster. Oh my God, my fiance know, has I fainted. I cool. I, I mean, like the look of Metamorpho. It's, it's all right. I mean, I, yeah. I think it's cool. <laughs> but so, his fiance faints so that he doesn't have a chance to realize that she still loves him despite the way he looks, of course. Um, and then GL shows up by flying in through the hospital window. Yes. How did he know which window to fly into? He checked a couple. <laughs> this is like his 10th room. Yes. Finally got it right. Well, so what they do is, you know, he was under for a minute. Yeah. And GL like scanned the building beforehand. He's like, okay, it's, <clears throat> you know, seven up, three to the right. So, you know, he he, pu- he pre-plans. He pre-planned. But then he decided to wait just long enough for Rex to leave before he shows up. Yeah. Yes. So then Rex storms out of the hospital into yet another string of cliches, uh, including seeing himself in a tech store front mm-hmm. um, on a video camera played across a bunch of screens. Does that exist in the real world? I, I was going to ask that. Like, it must have in, like, the 70s. And yeah, maybe the, because like, it was every, that was such a big trope, and it's I see it I think mostly in cartoons. I don't know if I've seen it a lot in live action. Well, you see the other version where it's like a gaggle of children out front of a tech store because it's just like a wall of TVs. Yeah, and that's just that you know because most of them don't have TVs at home, so they're just watching TV in the window. Yeah, and then it's the store owner coming out with the broom. It's like, get away, you kids. <laughs> 
You know how it works. <laughs> you street vermin. Yeah. You, you human beings. You rascals. Because you... That I could believe. I, I could definitely believe, like, back in the day, like, when you window shopping was an actual thing, they would put TVs in the storefront. I just, I, I have a hard time believing that it was so common to put a video camera pointed out at the that, sidewalk. It, it also feels very, like, MTV era. Yeah. Of, like, see yourself on screen kind I of I guess so. Thing. It just, for as often as we see it, and especially for as often as it's used to highlight, like, a character that has gone through some sort of physical change and is now a grotesque monster. Yes. It just, it's such a, a, a well-trod trope at this point that it's every every moment of this episode continues to pull me further and further out because just the writing is so lazy. Oh, it's so funny. Because of course, Rex sees himself in the monitors and freaks out and steps out into the street only to get hit by a truck and then realize he has superpowers. Yes. How many times have we seen that, Cameron? I'm gonna say There's a little question. I assume you knew this off the top of your head. Four. <laughs> But I mean, but we don't. He, I don't even think he knows he has powers. He explodes. Yeah, he just bursts. Yeah, which, which, like, you see the the driver get out of the car, just fully traumatized because yeah. he thinks he just explode. Like, didn't kill them, but like blew them up with his car. Yeah, he splatted the guy. Yeah, like a bug on his windshield. And then uh, Rex kind of reforms himself from his goo. Mm-hmm. And the cops must be American cops because they're like, hey, what are you? And immediately open fire. Yep. <laughs> Bullets ricochet off him, which doesn't happen again later in the episode. Nope. And the cops call in backup because they think he's shooting at them. And yeah. what is their response? Rocket launcher. Yep. Just out of the backseat of his car, pulls a rocket launcher. God, I love seeing like cop representation in the early 2000s looking in the current lens. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. If there is one good thing you could pull out of this episode, it's that one segment and go, maybe this is why people are calling for defunding the police. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it's like, hey, put your hands up. Immediately opens fire. It's like, he's a threat. We need backup. Yes. Get the rocket launcher. It is, honestly, like, it is. Oh, but that's not the only rocket launcher in this episode. No, it's not. It's not. There's so many. It, it is, like, both, like, very hyperbolic, but also tragically prescient. Yes. Watching this moment happen. <laughs> so then, of course, everyone thinks that Rex is now, like, this horrible monster. So he he runs off, and then uh, Sapphire is distraught, and so goes to John. It's like, John, please help me. Um, and, like, hugs him, and, like, gives him a kiss on the cheek. Which is like a little bit ridiculous, but of course it had to be that way because Java is taking photos yes. of this. So now we I figured, okay, he took a photo, that's gonna come into play later on. Later We've on. We've also seen him taking photos of everything. This true. He's like taking he's he's, he's, he's an he's, amateur photographer. He's documenting Metamorpho so that Stag can use it to sell. He's it. an amateur photographer. He is. That's what he does in his free time. They're really fleshing out these side characters. He's really well. giving him so much texture. Yeah, so much depth. So you kind of see he that wanted moment. to go to photo school. He did, but he couldn't. And he he you know to help pay for college, he went through you know one of those clinical trials. It just happened to turn him into an ape man. He's like, oh man, no one's gonna hire me now. And Stag is like, oh, I have a job for you, son. Do you do you think that after the events of this episode, um, like he's he serves his time with a relatively light sentence because he was basically just, you know, the acting muscle for Stag. Yeah. He 
serves his time for like five years. And then he goes and he becomes like a nature photographer working in Africa, like photographing like apes and chimpanzees and stuff like that. And gorillas. Cause he can blend in. Yeah. But he's also not a good photographer. No, he's awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as, we'll, as we'll get to. But so there's that moment and you think, okay, like clearly they're setting up the idea that like, um, Stag is going to use these photos at some point down the line. Down the line being... 35 the, seconds from now. The very next scene. <laughs> yeah. The very next scene when Metamorpho like breaks into Stag's office and is ranting and raving, like, how'd you do this to me? And Stag says, no, it wasn't me. It was your friend. Who you only saw again yesterday. Yesterday. Maybe. It might still be today. Yes, but... <laughs> But I have taken those photos that Java took and in the last, let's presume, two hours, Mm -hmm. um, had them developed, enlarged, and I'm now keeping them in a manila envelope inside my jacket just in case you happen to show up here and I need to quickly blackmail someone. Yes. Well, Chris, what was the prominent store of the early 2000s? Kinko's? One hour photo. What? That's true. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> quickly put out a business by 59 minute photo by that great Dimitri Martin joke. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Rex knows that Stag is a shit. If yes. he, if he just heard that there may have been a dangerous chemical on that train and he immediately assumes that Stag did it, clearly he doesn't trust the guy very much. Well, that's why I said at the top of the episode, Rex, his relationship with Sapphire, there's no trust there uh, because the second yeah. there's something against her, he believes it. Yeah. So like maybe this isn't the first time something like this happened from a womanizer man and an over-sexualized woman. Yeah. I, you know what it probably is? It's probably just that like Rax is out there cheating left and right. And so he just assumes. Yes. That Sapphire is too. Yep. Yeah. Because he just immediately believes Stag that Jon Stewart is like having an affair with his fiance and also set him up to go into like this weird chemical experiment to get rid of him. Yep immediately buys it from a guy who is clearly the least trustworthy person on the planet by Rex's own standards. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, yeah. And so then like Rex goes off to try and fight John and it, the cliffhanger ends with like Rex standing over him about ready to kill him. Yes. While stag is outside of this base or whatever it is with Java and a video camera recording all of it. Yes, to sell to the oil tycoon. Because yes. that's still the A plot of this episode. <laughs> Let's not forget. The A plot is still selling superpowers to a drug to a to an oil baron for his workers. Yep. That to is... be more efficient. Yeah, because even though it disappears for roughly 30 of the 40 minute runtime, it comes back. That's still the A plot. It's... Let's not forget. Let's not forget what we're here for. You are right. It's still the A plot. Cause then yeah, we get into like episode two where to try and sell this technology to the oil, to the oil baron per the A plot, uh, Stag tries to create a better metamorpho, but like Rex interrupts the process, causing Stag's consciousness to transfer into a colossal chemical creature. That's not King Kong. That's not King Kong. I will say it. It's not King Kong. It's definitely not King Kong. Yes. Oh my God. So then now well, we do have... A redeeming factor of this episode, Chris. Martian Manhunter? Because for 23, three episodes, <laughs> we have watched Martian Manhunter, John Jones, our, our man from Mars, mm-hmm. go down on the first punch of every combat they've had. Yep. And for the first time, Chris, he did it. He did it. He fights he back. He phased through the first punch. He phased the... Not only 
did he phase the first punch? But he then turned into the dragon. He turned into the dragon. Which we were asking about last week. He finally turns into the dragon and like fights uh, Metamorpho for a little bit until he gets hit with a bunch of flames and then yes. he's knocked out at three minutes and 37 seconds. But, but that is so <laughs> like... Talk about a fucking increase. Yeah. Like that went from like a, a six second fight to a two minute fight. Yeah. Like that's that's improvement right there. It honestly is. That is the one redeeming thing in this entire two part episode. Yes. God damn it. But yeah, the, clearly the league can't take him down because he can turn into kryptonite and fire and gas or whatever other weaknesses our heroes have. Yeah. But but Batman <laughs> comes in. And just throws his normal, uh, what what are the, those called? Exploding batarangs? No, no, no. It's the the boa things. That like, oh, Ebola. Ebola. Yes. Yeah. Not, not Ebola. Not, not Ebola. 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 B o l a. Not a bowl of soup. Yes, a bowl of soup. Yes. A cuppa. Yeah. Oh. Um, and that catches him just fine. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is in a fight with <laughs> Superman. Yep. Martian Mantle. <clears throat> yeah. Green Lantern. Yep. And Hawk Girl. Yes. The person who does the most damage is Batman. Is Batman with a bola and an exploding batarang. Yep. <laughs> because Batman always wins. Bat- that's true. Batman must always win. Um, yeah, so Rex escapes from the league in an underground river. Um, a very conveniently placed like massive underground river and cavern beneath this military base. And then he shows up through Sapphire's sink Mm -hmm. and then confronts her and pretty quickly realizes like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe the guy who showed me the photos who doesn't like me, Mm -hmm. maybe he's the bad guy in all of this. Wait a minute. Maybe it wasn't my old pal that I just rekindled the friendship with. Maybe it's the asshole who's caused me a bunch of problems. Yes. Who set this whole thing up. So we go back to him and what's he doing? He's he's forwarding the A plot, Chris. He's, he's on the phone. Someone has to because the writers aren't. Yes. So. He's on the phone with the oil baron being like, see how efficient this is? Not only can they do their job, but they can't, you know, you also don't have to deal with labor laws because no one can stop them nope. from working ever again. Nope. <laughs> so then Metamorpho once again shows up to try and capture, kill, whatever, stag. And he's bested, and this is where I'm going to really get into some science shit here. This is maybe the moment that pissed me off the most. He's bested by a, uh, a spray gun that mm-hmm. Java has that freezes him. Yes. And stag's reasoning, he says that at a certain temperature, all chemical reactions cease. Again, exactly what you would learn in a seventh grade yes. chemistry class. Now, I heard that. I'm like, wait, okay, hang on. I know absolute zero is a thing. Yes, we definitely. Yes, exactly. Zero Kevin or negative uh, 273 degrees Celsius. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a real thing. We use it in thermodynamics. Yes. But I don't remember a lot about it. So let me, I did a little bit of research on this. Mm-hmm. We've never actually hit it though. This, okay, this is exactly it. Yes, you're yes. right. So absolute zero is a theoretical temperature at which all chemical reactions cease because essentially there is no heat left in the molecules to create any sort of movement. Mm-hmm. So yes, Physical movement, chemical reactions all cease at absolute zero. But Cameron, you are right. It is a theoretical temperature that we have never actually achieved. We have gotten very close to it. We got to, I believe it was, in a lab like 
0.45 nanokelvin. I forget what nanokelvin is, but we got like really, really fucking close in extremely controlled environments in a lab. <laughs> We've never achieved that level outside with a hose. Yes, but what people use to like paint fences. Yes. As far as I can tell, Mr. Freeze, the this universe is absolutely king of expert. Cold. The king of cold, the expert yes. on all sub-zero freezing technology has or any of the cold villains because it's yes, not right. just mr freeze we got some icicle we got some captain coals in here we have a lot of cold villains icicle jr icicle jr none of them have achieved this but simon <laughs> stag with a hose yes has. but also it ain't that effective because they freeze him they throw him in the back of a van and he thaws so in in the van is where my favorite line comes from and this is where I knew it was written by a drunk uncle over Thanksgiving who cornered a writer. And he said, uh, where, where's, where's my quote? Uh, word for word is the two guys driving the truck. Mm -hmm. They say, industrial waste management. Man, that's a growing industry. I'm glad I'm here. Yep. And that's the line where I'm like, that's an uncle. That is an <laughs> uncle who works in waste management who wanted his, wanted his voice heard. Yep. I mean, to be fair... In this universe, it really is, though. There's yeah. a lot of industrial waste. Mm -hmm. And just a lot of industrial, like, chemical runoff and byproduct and collateral damage. Yeah. From superheroing. Just from Ace Chemicals. Yeah. It's pretty much just Ace. Yeah. Ace, Lex. Y you know, Bruce has got some shady stuff going on, too. Mm -hmm. He just, he hides it a lot. I'm, I'm surprised they don't all just go work in Gotham. Yeah. Because that would be the place for waste management. It really would. Like, I feel like you wouldn't really need it in Metropolis. Because, no. like, Metropolis it does seem to be the city that runs on, like, well, theoretically, it's supposed to run on clean energy and be yep. super futuristic and advanced. Also, I love that pretty much every episode of Justice League is just set in Metropolis, whether it's intended to be or not, because they just use the animation of the Metropolis police cars. Yeah, well, it's also, like, they have a, such a backlog from... Superman. That's true. Yeah, they have so much animation left over. Mm -hmm. My God, uh, it's so ridiculous. But yeah, that when that line was said, I had to pause it <laughs> and really think about like who is this episode for? Who is it for though? Because like, if it's for kids, don't use that language. Yeah. If it's for adults, it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. And that's the thing. It's like a kid's not going to get that joke. But also, it's not even really a joke. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's it's a it's a it's a small plea from the corner of the room. Yeah. Also, why? Because I know this sh these shows reuse animation a lot and they reuse character models a lot. Mm -hmm. Why, for one of your two, um, you know, hourly employees that is disposing of a nearly unstoppable creature, why is one of them a reused animation model from Firefly? Oh, I didn't realize that. Yes, the guy driving the truck with like the the buzz, like the um, kind of like the the buzz widow's peak and the earring is Garfield Lynn's Firefly. I think they've just like changed the color of his hair, but it's a fairly distinct looking character. That's amazing. And in a show that has what at this point hundreds of animation character models you yep. could throw in there, why that one? I, is it supposed to be Firefly? You know, maybe he's trying to go on the straight and narrow. By work, I mean, I, I mean, this is his version of Straight and Narrow. It's like working for like a corrupt, polluting tycoon disposing of his heroes. Yes. 
I mean, he doesn't, maybe he doesn't know what he's driving. I, uh, I get, yeah, I guess not. Maybe also hang on. How the fuck did they get him into the van? If he's frozen at absolute zero, how do you pick that up and put Let's it put in the on van? some gloves. <laughs> I don't see the problem. Just some latex gloves. You're fine. Yeah. yeah. Maybe some oven mitts. Yeah. Just put on some like winter gloves. Yeah. I mean, if I can, if I can make a snowball in a glove, then I feel like I can pick Actually, up a, yeah. a guy uh, at zero Kelvin. S- Sapphire knit some lovely mittens for yeah. Simon last year, and he just used those to pick them up and throw them into the van. Well, yeah. Because, of course, she's housewife extraordinaire. God damn it. I hate this episode so much. <laughs> this episode is fucking hilarious. I hate it so much. Because I looked it up. I was like, is that, you know, is that character credited um, as Garfield Linz? And he's not. He's just truck driver, stag thug, um, brake, brake man? What? Sure. What is a brake man? Someone who, 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 who hits the brakes. A brakeman? Yeah. I don't understand. I don't get it. But yeah, let's just throw him in the back. He obviously thaws himself and gets out. Um, and then, okay. So now, now we're at the point now where, it's big bad. where Simon is trying to create a new metamorpho using maybe, maybe not the same ant, uh, mutagen. We don't know. Yes. But without needing a body this time. Which doesn't really make sense. No. So he's, or maybe they don't have a, well, yeah, they don't have a, they don't have a body yet, so I'm not sure what he's doing, but he's controlling the equipment with, like, these VR goggles and a helmet. Yes, very of the time. Very of the time. Yeah, it has to look like future technology for an oil baron. Exactly. <laughs> very dated future technology. So he then is in the process of creating Metamorpho, we assume, that, or maybe just transferring the mutagen. I'm not sure, but Metamorpho shows up for like the fourth time in these two episodes, because no one can dispose of him properly and sabotages the process so that the mutagen, which clearly has some sort of weird electrical pro- like powers, given its effect on non-electrical devices on a train, somehow draws Stank's consciousness through the VR helmet into this gelatinous goo that then becomes a giant monster. Yes. That I think kind that's of not has, King Kong. That's not King Kong. Not King Kong. Not King Kong. That has some of the metamorpho powers. It can do a little bit of elemental manipulation, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But I, I will say, Chris, this is where the budget is. Because <laughs> this fight sequence is so good. Is, is it? it? Yes, it is. <laughs> is it? Okay, like there was one punch specifically that I like had to do a light applause for the animators, and it's okay. when Superman comes in for an uppercut mm-hmm. and he hits the jaw of the of the of Marshmallow Man, mm-hmm. and the the face smears up and off screen, and then just snaps back into place. Okay, and it looked so good and so clean. I am glad that was beautiful. you found something redeeming here. I found so much redeeming in this episode. Because <laughs> Every I, bit of this episode is redeeming. Because I was focused on the plot that is totally not King Kong. Not King um, Kong. But definitely involves Simon st- like grabbing his daughter from the tower they live in and pulling a fucking Fay Ray and taking her to the top of a tower that looks kind of like the Empire State Building. Yep. But it's not King Kong. Not King Kong. Um, even though 
Rex makes a comment about he could definitely use some biplanes right now. Not King Kong. Still not King Kong. Definitely not a ripoff of okay, King Kong. I, you know what? I missed that reference because I thought it was a joke because in part one and part two, we see that he can fly a little yeah. bit. So why isn't he? But he, yeah, he never does it again. He can just turn himself into a gas and just kind of float through the air. Uh, and I thought that was a reference to like, oh man, I wish I could fly like everyone else. But, but no, you can. <laughs> no, they they just threw in they they were they were hanging a lantern yes. on the fact they completely ripped off the finale of King Kong mm-hmm. <laughs> for this episode. Yes. Oh, so b- before that, the fight starts. A moment I love is Metamorphose down in mm-hmm. in the lab. Uh, yeah. There's you know giant gelatinous monster comes out, breaks the ceiling, it collapses on on Rex. Yes. And even though he's never been hurt before this moment, that's mm-hmm. what knocks him out. Is a a big rock. Yes. The Justice League comes to the place and they're like, "How could you do this?" And it's like, did you not, did you not see the see giant this? green glowing monster? Yeah. Walk out of this place. He's like thirty feet tall. Yes. You can see him from a ways away. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of stands out. He's bright green. It's a little obvious. If you could spot a runaway train. Yeah. You might be able to spot a, a giant green tall, monster. Yeah. A 30 foot tall glowing green monster. Yes. Um, Which, okay. So they went with a King Kong reference. Do you think... <laughs> this is a stupid question. <laughs> Cannot wait. Cannot wait for it. Why would they go that route? When he's so much, he has so much more in common with the Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Because this is the level, this is the that basic level that they're thinking about, right? Because like one could even say that the 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 Stay Puft Marshmallow from Ghostbusters is like kind of an homage to King Kong in some ways to begin with, mm-hmm. right? Like he does climb up at the top of the tower. It's not quite the same, but it's close-ish. But like that's how base level the writing in this episode is it goes for like the root cliche where it can yeah because you're right the state puff would kind of make more sense because also it is a like chemical technological villain so mm-hmm. they have to use science or even a godzilla reference right yeah they could have gone all these different directions but no like they had to go for the most cliche thing possible because this episode is written for idiots who wouldn't know a more modern sophisticated reference seventh graders than this. seventh graders well guess what cameron most seventh graders are idiots yes they are <laughs> and if you are listening to this and you're a seventh grader one i am a just very apologetic for what we say all the time <laughs> i'm not you've heard worse in school <laughs> that's true you said worse yourselves but yeah, like let's be honest, seventh graders, not that bright. I was not very bright as a seventh grader. Oh, I certainly wasn't. I'll say that right now. Also, I would have been basically in the seventh grade when this episode came out. I probably liked this You were ep- the audience. I probably liked this episode when I saw it 20 years ago. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they have to like neutralize him. Batman realizes that he's like, he's a protein. So if they get a polypeptide... They can throw it in there and it'll yes. neutralize it. I don't know. I, I loved that line too know. because John screams with so much, you know, like I applaud Phil Lamar for his acting in this because the way he had to deliver that line of change into a polypeptide, not a chance. Yeah. And then he's like, well, I'm just, I'm going to knock you out and do it anyway. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to bonk you out. I'm going to go jump into stag and become a polypeptide. And we all think I'm going to die. 
but don't worry, I'm going to reform and I'm back and it's fine. Yes. And the actress going, going on the voice acting thing for a second, the actress that plays Sapphire, mm-hmm. we've seen her a couple of times. She's also Frida as I looked up, but I don't remember the actress's name. Um, oh, let me look that up. I forgot. To has remember. a great, like, Oh, it's top. It's, it's Danica McKellar. She's Miss Martian on Young Justice. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, fucking like a plus top tier scream for your life scream yeah like those are good screams she she's put in the work here yes yeah but that's it that's that's all i have good to say about the episode <laughs> so okay i look overall i hated these there's no way this is showing up on my short list it doesn't matter like metamorpho is referenced down the line and he will pop up in jlu like this yeah, ep- but yeah but like everyone pops up in jlu exactly you don't need this, their origin story we can tell you right now spoiler alert, this is going this is gone. I don't know, Chris. Nope. This is a lot of fun. Nope. This is the Empire State Building that I will die on. <laughs> but I do want to talk a little bit about the voice cast on this, okay. which is pretty incredible. So obviously we have our, our usuals. And then, so Rex Mason slash Metamorpho is voiced by Tom Sizemore, who is one of those actors that you have seen everywhere in everything. He's played so many military officers um or like just like cops and henchmen whatever he was in heat um he was in saving private ryan he's in pearl harbor he's in black hawk down like if you look him up you'll recognize his face um tom he, sizemore is what you said tom sizemore yeah he's been in a lot of stuff um java is voiced by richard mole aka our two-face from the dcau that's right yep but the big one i really want to talk about because as you've you've already mentioned danica mckellar as Sapphire, but the big one is Simon Stagg is voiced by Earl Bowen, Bone, whatever. He, I would say from a, a look perspective, is most famous for having played uh, Dr. Silberman, the psychiatrist in the Terminator movies, of which you have not seen. Nope. But most people would see his face and that's what they'd recognize him from. But this guy has had one of the most substantial voice acting careers of anyone let me list a few for you. Clifford the red, Big Red Dog. He voiced Rhino in Betos and the New Batman Adventures, gotcha. the, the henchman to uh, Ventriloquist. He was the voice of Magneto in a one-off animated short called Pride of the X-Men from, I want to say, the early 80s that I watched nonstop as a kid. It, I think it was a, a basically a pilot that aired that didn't become a full show, but it totally should have. It was great. He did a shitload of additional voices in a pup named Scooby-Doo which I did not realize was as old as it was. I thought 80s, that... yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that was in the 80s. I thought it was like mid-90s, because that's when I was no, watching it. No, that's when all, all the kids stuff... Yeah. Because that was the boom, I, you know, after Roger Rabbit. Yeah. It was reintroducing all of these new, you know, all the cartoons back to a new audience. So mm-hmm. you had uh, Tom and Jerry Kids, Flintstone Kids, Pup Named Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Uh, Looney, you know, you had Tiny Toon Adventures, which was actually later than everyone else. But it started with Baby Looney Tunes. And that makes sense. I just assumed... Because the animation... And Jerry Kids. I assumed, based on the animation, it was a little bit newer than that. Uh, It's very crisp. Yeah, it's very crisp. I wasn't expecting it to be like 80s, Mm -hmm. so I was surprised by that. But, Cameron, the big one here, the one that I saved for last, is... He is the voice of Senor Senior Senior. Senior Senior. (laughs) I just saw that one. (laughs) A kid possible. (laughs) I love me some senior, 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 senior. As do I. And of course, some senior, senior, junior. Oh, I mean, talk about a himbo. Oh, one of the best. Yes. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is definitely one of those characters I'd look back on and go like, oh, yeah, that makes sense now. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. Senior, 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 and Senior, Senior, Junior are the funniest and like, because it's, it's exactly what would happen in reality. It's, they're so rich. They're so bored with everything else. They're like, mm-hmm. I guess I'll be a villain. What else am I going to do? Yeah. I'm like, I'll get, like, there's no consequence. Yeah. Elon I, Musk I'll did just, it. Yeah. I'll just pay my way out of anything yeah. that goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I, I had to bring that up. I thought you'd appreciate that. Yes, I do appreciate that. The great senior, senior, senior. But seriously, like, yeah, Earl, um, Earl Bowen, I think that's how his name is pronounced. Really incredible voice acting career. Um, yeah, so basically, if you've seen a cartoon at some point, you've heard his voice, which yes. is pretty nuts. He's also in a lot of uh, video game stuff. Yes, right? lots and lots through. of video game stuff. He has um, 300 credits in, on IMDb. It's crazy. It's really impressive. Um, but yeah, uh, a great addition to the cast this week. Um, but yeah, I, I hated this. These episodes made me so mad. I had to constantly stop watching, not because it was too painful to watch because I had to take so many notes to get the exact specific things that I want to talk about how much yeah. they pissed me off. Usually to, to give you guys a little behind the scenes view of how I handle this. Usually I just watch these episodes morning of yeah, like 30 minutes before we start the show. Uh, but I couldn't sleep last night. So like, Oh, I'll watch one episode at night and I'll do the other one in the morning. Yeah. I was so I was so into the story. Oh my god! I had to know what happened last night. I watched. I watched it at two thirty in the morning. Oh. Just so excited to talk about this with you. I, I almost texted you I, when I finished. I'm like, I'm so excited to talk about these episodes. I mean, you could have. My phone's on silent at yeah. night. Um, I am. I'm sorry for you on many levels, Cameron. <laughs> many many levels from that story. Well, so then I read the comics after. Oh my god. <laughs> just got better and better it just got worse <laughs> okay can we are we done with these i think i think I've, you, I've gone through all the topics i want to talk about oh okay cool all right well now that we're uh, done with that uh <laughs> Cameron, what do you got to plug this week what are your bat plugs uh so i i watched uh queen's gambit oh okay yes what did you think i i really enjoyed it okay I feel stupid, unless you also didn't know this. I didn't realize that it's not based off a real person. Oh, I just kind of assumed it was, but I haven't watched it yet. I also just assumed it was. Yeah. No, it's based off a book from the 80s, also called The Queen's Gambit. Oh. Off of a fictional person. Oh. Because the writer, because there's never been like a female chess player in pop culture. Oh. Yeah. And so that, I was wondering, like, because I, you know, there's the Pawn Sacrifice movie, which is about what's his face. Oh, I, yeah, I know the who you're talking guy, about. Yeah, yeah the first I'm... American to beat the the um, USSR yeah. uh, player. And I kept wondering, like, oh, where is he in this? Because the timeline kind of lines up to when he played. Yeah, she would have been like ten years after his game. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm uh, Bobby Fischer. That's his name. Okay, yeah. I'm like, where is Bobby? Like, because he would be a major component in this story. Mm-hmm. And so as like the last episode starting, it's only eight episodes Mm -hmm. and I finally Google her and I Google one of the matches and I'm like, Oh, no one in the story is real. Oh, it really changed how I watched the, how I watched the finale. Interesting. Yes. Oh, but it is great. Okay. Uh, I was worried it was going to focus more on like the drugs and the chess. Uh, and they, they kind of go pretty hand in hand Mm -hmm. and also learning that she's not a real person makes the drug impact a little less. <laughs> I didn't know there were even drugs involved in this. I've just heard good things. I don't really know anything about it. Yeah, so it follows uh, Beth Herman, mm-hmm. Harmon, um, who is a young chess prodigy orphan. Okay. Uh, who starts playing in tournaments when she's like 11. 
and just becomes this kind of pop culture sensation around the world. Uh, and finally ends up playing the big, scary Russian players towards the end. Okay. Um, but th- when she's in the orphanage, she starts take you know, they give her kind of like an upper and a downer to, oh, to kind of okay. get through the day. And the downer is a tranquilizer. Mm-hmm. And so she starts getting addicted to them and it becomes like a bigger and bigger part. And like the way she plays chess is she, she takes a bunch of pills and she can envision the board on the ceiling. Oh, interesting. And she kind of plays out a million matches in her head by looking at the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then she becomes like dependent on it. And it's this whole like drug oh, crisis thing. That's cool. She has uh, a harem of men. Right on. Uh, and the, the one part of the show that I don't know if they like changed it from the eighties version, but it's, it's the one questionable part, which I would, I would love for you to watch the show and just figure out this character. Um, but there's a love interest character who twist he's gay, maybe, kind of. And then it's almost like a straight savior situation hmm. where okay. like she's trying to convert him, but then it is not. Okay. And then they're, it's, it's, I'm, I'm very curious for your take or someone else in the gay community's take on that character. Hmm. But besides that, it's a great show. Okay. It's, it's very, very good. It's, it's very intense for chess. <laughs> you don't play a lot of intense chess games? Look, look, in, in high school, chess became a weirdly big part of my class. Okay. And I just never got into it. Yeah. I think, like, I missed the wave where everyone learned together and, like, learned strategy together. Okay. And then after that point, I could never catch up. It's like trying to play Call of Duty now. Yes. Like, unless you play, like, launch day. Yeah, it's like fucked. playing any shooter game now. Yeah. Like, I'm just so bad at shooters in general. Yeah. That I can't get in any of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that. Like, I know how to play. I haven't really played in well, years. Well, you were a Halo 3 guy. I was re- referencing chess. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I, so I, am I. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yes, I was a big Halo 3 person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But no, it, it's a great series. I, I'm sad. Honestly, I'm sad I sat on it so long. Okay. Because I even told people, like, I kind of shoot people away from it. Because I'm like, oh, it's just a drug story. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, it's not about chess. I'm like, no, I'm very wrong. Like, everyone okay. go watch it. It's really good. Yeah, I've, it's like in my rotation to, to come up soon. Yeah. So. And it's pretty easy to watch. It's eight episodes, hour each. Okay. Yeah, that's doable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's been my, my main plug. Okay. I'll watch Mamma Mia, but that's, oh, you know, I mean, that's new. a perennial plug. Mamma yeah. Mia. <laughs> so, uh, what about you, Chris? What have you been watching, reading, listening? Uh, I have a couple podcasts to plug this week. Ooh. Um, so one is the, uh, when this comes out, I guess it won't be the latest episode of the DCAU review, but one of the latest episodes, uh, they do almost got him, which of course is like a classic, yep. a BTOS favorite. Um, but the exciting thing is they have a guest on it and the guest is Monica Kubina, who's the digital artist and colorist on the Batman adventures continues comics. So the digital comic series that has been running that introduces Jason Todd and the DCAU and it's based off of the, um, the adventure continues toy line that oh, that's was awesome. going on for a little while. Yeah. And it's, you know, those guys always do a great job. They have a very different, I would say, probably better approach to analyzing the hey, episodes now, than we do. Now, just because they're smarter and do more research <laughs> do more and are research more prepared. And are more prepared and actually like numerically break them down and have a rating system. Um, but they always do a good job. But this was a particularly good episode because uh, the guest is super interesting. She's got a great perspective. And, um, you know, I think especially if you want to get a, a real animator's 
I didn't mean to say that like you're not a real animator. No, I'm not. <laughs> but I'm certainly not a real animator. Yeah, but like I, I I'm a motion designer. Exactly. Who uses the term animator because I don't like describing what a motion designer is. To that people. is very fair. Um, but yeah, if you want to get like a, a comics animator's perspective on those episodes, it's really really interesting. So uh, you know, a definite recommendation there. Check that one out. Uh, and the other podcast was another episode of Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum, who did a Justice League reunion. Ooh. Yes. We got everyone except for Kevin Conroy, who did his own episode a little while ago, um, back together just to do like a, just catch up and chat. And they even read like a really short segment that Michael wrote. About um, this episode? Not about this episode. <laughs> that would have been entertaining. Um, where they all play their original characters again. And it, it's, it's really fun. And, you know, I learned quite a bit about some of the, the other actors I didn't know as much about. Um, you know, and I, I generally like his show. I don't listen to it all the time. Um, but if he's got a guest on that, I find particularly interesting to listen. And, you know, he's, he's a good interviewer and he's good about kind of getting people to talk about you know, more personal and emotional stuff. And yeah, uh, you, you've plugged his podcast before. It's been a couple of years, but I remember yeah. you plugging it back in like the Superman days. Yeah, exactly. Every once in a while I have a guest on like, Oh, I would love to hear what they have to say. Um, yeah. And it's a good one. So yeah, those are the two that I would uh, recommend go and check it out. Nice. So yeah. And then uh, you got a question for us. I do have a question for you. Mm -hmm. You ready to snuggle up in your Cameron corner? I am. Yeah. Got your blanket, got the fire, got your hot cocoa, mm -hmm. and this nice 71 degree day in LA. <laughs> it is a nice day today. It's a very actually. nice yeah, day. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Um, I have a pretty simple question. You know, we're, we're in times that are a little stressful. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of shit going on. And I just want to ask you, Chris, and the audience, uh, what is your go to happy place, like escape movie? Ooh. Or a piece of entertainment. Doesn't have to be a movie. Ooh, okay. So cause I think when you mentioned this before the show, you phrased it as like a comfort film, which is yes. not quite the same thing. Because like I feel like sometimes a comfort film, like I, I have a selection of things that I'll put on if I'm trying to make myself cry. Okay. The top of the list, of course, is Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Mm -hmm. um, top of the list, Puppet Name Scooby-Doo. Puppet Name Scooby-Doo, <laughs> yeah. I mean... Futurama is also on there too. Oh yeah! Oh god, yeah. Luck of the Fryerish. I'll put that one on if I, I want to cry. Uh, Jurassic Park. Thank you. Of course, like, the I, I couldn't remember the the dog pun. Yeah. Okay, but if I put it on, if I just want like like happy, fun distraction. Yeah. Ooh. Um, the Great Mouse Detective is one I put on a lot. It is my favorite Disney. That is your movie. favorite Disney movie. And it is one like. If for whatever reason, like if I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't fall back asleep and I'll go out onto the couch to sleep, like I'll put that on because I can just have it running in the background and then it'll just like, I'll conk out. But I still like, I will often then go like, maybe I should just go ahead and rewatch it because I actually want to watch it, watch it, not just have it on. Yeah. That, that is definitely high up there because it's, it's short, it's fun, it's light. Um, that's probably my number one. I mean, there's tons okay. of stuff that I revisit all the time, like Batman and James Bond um, some Marvel films, but I think if I were to pick a, a number one, like most rewatched for the fun of it movie, it's probably The Great Mouse Detective. That's a good pick. Yeah. How about yeah, you? Yeah. And it, it's like quiet enough where you can kind of sleep to it. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is a big part. Cause like when I was growing up, um, I would use Lord of the Rings to sleep all the time. Mm, yeah. Because like the opening specific, you know, the first 15 minutes is just scenery. Yeah. It put me to sleep too. Scores. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I probably told this story before. This isn't connected to my, my question. Mm -hmm. um, I got, I was doing very bad in school in seventh grade. And so my mom cut all technology out of my life. Right. Yes. But I hid a portable DVD player under <laughs> my pillow 
So at night, I would watch a movie to fall asleep. And I didn't have many DVDs in my in my house. So I'd either use Fellowship of the Ring uh-huh. or I would use Sky High. <laughs> you know, I don't think you've told that story before. But it is... It, Cameron, you continue to out-Cameron yourself. Yes. <laughs> I have to prove that I am me sometimes. There's no clone or or, de- or uh, duplicate sitting here. It is pure me. <laughs> there is no life model decoy of Cameron that could ever create the sort of ridiculous stories that you have. Yes. My God. Um, you know, my comfort films, uh, Mamma Mia, definitely oh, up okay. there, one and yep. two. Wonderful films. Mm-hmm. Just so joyful all mm-hmm. the time. And also, I learned recently there was a behind-the-scenes interview that for some reason popped up on YouTube for me um, with the director who said that basically the entire cast just got drunk before shooting every scene. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, the first hour we're on set is just everyone pouring mimosas and champagne for people and just drinking as much as you can. And then we start shooting because then everyone's loose. Yeah. I'm like, that's... (laughs) Not surprising. 1940s way of doing it, but yeah, that's... Sure. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it sort of sounds like how they filmed The African Queen. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, But, and then the two that I probably talk about the most, Speed Racer. Yes. Uh, is, is so joyous. And like, if you don't get emotional during that last sequence. Yeah, it's, it's it is. beautiful. It is great. It is genuinely great. Uh, and then Fired Up. Oh, which that is, is a good so one. special to me. That is a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've talked about Fired Up a lot. The movie that is way better than it has any right to be. Yes. And still could have been so much better. Yeah. Because it was part of that wave where like studios wanted to make the raunchy R's, but they couldn't because PG-13 made them more money. Yeah. And so they like toned down everything. Yeah. It's like, it's, yeah, it's like raunchy, but not full tilt raunchy, which kind of works in its favor sometimes. Yes. It's like slightly progressive and sophisticated while still being like very like tropey. Mm-hmm. it's just weird it, it fell at a very weird time in like teen comedies yeah for for people who don't remember fired up or us talking about it many times many times uh quick quick synopsis two very horny call high school football players have slept with everyone in their school and now they're bored so they decide to be cheerleaders because they learned that cheer camp is just a giant fuck fest yeah and so they go to cheer camp yeah. and find out they actually love cheerleading yes because it's great yeah and it's not the reason i became a cheerleader because it came out after you were a cheerleader. Three days after I became a cheerleader. That's kismet right there. Yes. But no, th- those are some uh, some good options there. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, we would love to know other people's. Yes. What are I your need comfort movies? comfort movies right now. Yes. So please share yours. Yes. I'd say probably the best place then is, uh, you know, uh, either like respond to the, the post on Instagram or maybe send us an Instagram message so they can go direct to the camera. And you yes. can also respond on Twitter and then I'll just have to tell him. Yeah, so that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, at Tim Talk Pod for both of those. Um, and we did get a, a quick note from friend from last week. We did have someone write in with a suggestion for a superhero pun. Ooh. Yes. And so uh, Jake, a.k.a. The Overvoid on Twitter, a uh, great fan of the show who often writes in, he suggested a character called the Weasel who controls a hive mind of weasels. That's good. Yes. That's very good. <laughs> I really liked that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but that was off our prompt last week of uh, creating superhero pun names, super villain pun names. Yes. So the best of which of yours was, of course, uh, the didgeridoo. 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 Or Pomperor. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. 
Uh, but yeah, if you have uh, suggestions for other pun names or if you want to share some of your comfort films, we could always use some more comfort films. You can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, also, yes. if you want to berate us for hating on this episode so much because it was garbage. Hey, you hate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> Your version of appreciation sounded a little bit sarcastic and half-hearted sometimes, Cameron. No, no. It's, I loved this episode in the same way that I love uh, Kumite. Uh, what's that? Blood movie? Sport? Bloodsport, Yes. <laughs> This was the blood sport of the of the DCAU. Look, we are both big fans of good bad entertainment. Yes. This was just bad entertainment. This was great this bad was entertainment. Just bad this was great horrible entertainment. I I will never rewatch these episodes again. That's fine. Which I think that is the key thing about good bad entertainment. It has to be rewatchable. Okay. This is not. That's fair. Yes, into the bin it goes. Um, but yeah, if you disagree with me personally, you can let me know at Lordifer on Twitter. And I disagree with you personally. Instagram. All right, Cameron. Well, then go ahead and get a Twitter <laughs> nope. and tweet me about it. I'll send you an Instagram <laughs> message. Thank you. Where can they find you? Uh, if you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. I'll be updating it soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you, uh, you put out something this last week. I did. Yeah. yeah. This, was, this uh, was the one year anniversary of Disney Plus, so the plusiversary. It's weird that it's been a year. Now, I have to ask you, Cameron. Yes. Did anyone else celebrate the plusiversary, or was that more something you just created? Disney created the hashtag. I used it. <laughs> Were there other people using the hashtag? Yes, I looked up the hashtag, uh, and there were about 50 people. Hey, you know what? That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's not bad. Plusiversary. Yeah. Ooh. It's not the worst it could have been. It's not really great, though, it's is it? It's not great. No. 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 Um, no, you know, I, I played off that, that the old, like, hey, I'm so-and-so yeah. watching Disney Channel. Like, everyone needs one of those. That was very clever. I liked yeah. it. Yeah. I'm not disparaging your art. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I love the art. It was just... Very niche. And so I was curious if there were other people. It was people. very niche. Very niche. I was hoping that there would be other people that were embracing the <clears throat> plusiversary so that it got seen. Uh, the other people that I saw, the other 49 people using it, mm -hmm. uh, were, all <laughs> were all sponsored by Disney. Great. Yes. <laughs> hey, but you know what? Hopefully, someday, Disney will actually pay you to do these things. That would be the fucking dream. That would be the dream, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so Cameron, can you keep making your plusiversary art? I will. Yes. Uh, you can see that at Cameron.Dexter. If you want to see my face, you can find that at CamDexter underscore adventures. Boom, boom, boom. All yes. right. Well, we'll be back next week with the season one finale <gasps> of Justice League, the three-parter. Cameron's three favorite. Three episodes? It's three episodes. Oh, shit. Yes. The how Savage. Many more, how many have Metamorpho? <laughs> Two? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> none in the next three-parter, thank God. Uh, but it's the Savage Time. Ooh. So, some of the best episodes, if I recall, of Justice League. So okay. very, very excited to get to that. Uh, and that will be one episode before our 175th. <gasps> so we timed that poorly because that would have been a really great <laughs> coincidence. Hey, we can do a bonus episode next week. Yeah. So we'll, we're, we're going to figure out what we're going to do to celebrate 175. Um, but hey, you know what? We'll take suggestions too if you guys got some thoughts. Yeah. So that'll be coming up in two weeks. Next week will be the Savage Time. Uh, but until then, thank you everyone for listening. And bye bye. Bye. Bye 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 bye.